All right, and welcome to the first episode of Power and Consequence, a podcast where we discuss powerful people and the ways their actions and rhetoric consistently gaslight and mislead the public at large. Elected officials, bureaucrats, and media personalities are all fair game. Uh, we're your hosts. I'm Matthew. And Anna. And uh, today is January 20th, 2021, Inauguration Day. Whee! Yeah, we just got done checking that out, and it, it went by... Uh, I guess, in an orderly and peaceful fashion. Which, I don't trust it. Well, hmm. I mean, so far, so good, right? Yeah. So, Especially in light of the things we're going to talk about, which is pretty much propaganda, rhetoric, um, shitty behavior from elected officials and everyone else. Anyone with a platform. So uh, in light of that, Anna, how are you doing? You, you were watching a lot of the post-inauguration uh, festivities. Uh, it feels good. Um, again, I'm also feeling some trepidation because it's, it's quiet, almost too quiet. Oh, I saw that one coming. And it just makes me anxious. That's all. Mm -hmm. And being that this is our first episode, we're going to, uh, go ahead and bring up something that anyone listening is probably aware of is that on January 6th, there was an attempted insurrection at the U S Capitol. People, what? I know people broke in. Five people died, uh, including one Capitol Police officer. Woman was shot in the neck. Uh, other people died of related complications. Uh, we medical, right? Yeah, was the general catch-all term for that. Yeah, and if you want to count, there was uh, the second Capitol uh, Police officer who unfortunately took his own life uh, a few days later. You know, I'm not going to speculate on whether that's related. Uh, yeah, and you know, it was it was interesting. Uh, you know, sort of conservative media cable news, quote unquote. Uh, they that night. I don't know if you remember, but there was a there was some speculation about you know who did it. Was was there like Antifa agents provocateur? I definitely remember that day. Yeah, it was, <laughs> things things were spat out. You know, it was just, they were shotgunning it. You know, throwing stuff against the wall. I'm mixing that. Basically, anything to evade culpability. Indeed. Indeed. And, and they, that didn't seem to work too well. You know, there was a, a story that got debunked, uh, facial recognition software. We Basically immediately, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which is good. Yeah. The, and they quickly pivoted from, you know, the whataboutisms to First Amendment protections, you know, mm -hmm. uh, because people are getting, quote unquote, canceled, you know. In Stripping my freedom. Stuff like that. And, and to that end, we today's subject our first subject is a man named dan bongino do you know that name i know of the name but i don't know anything about him quick recap dan bongino former nypd police officer in the 90s he later became a u.s secret service special agent uh he was i believe involved uh with presidential protection details for president obama uh maybe bush i'm not 100 percent on that but uh, he's published a number of books. He also does a podcast uh, slash video show uh, and is a regular contributor on Fox News. He's on there a lot. Wait, does he have anything to do with the broken windows thing? Uh, Theory? Not, no, not that I'm oh, aware okay. of. He's not. No, 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 no. I forget who wrote that one. Uh, oh, geez. Uh, James Q. Wilson and one other guy, I think. Yeah, I, I couldn't remember who they were. No, that wasn't him. Um, strictly, strictly cop, secret agent. Secret agent, uh, special agent, uh, and now he does 
I'm not sure what he did. We'll, we'll get into press it. junket, something like that. Yeah. So anyway, that's him. He's also run for public office three times, lost every time. Uh, for which office? Ah, uh, geez, uh, I could pull it up. I think it was like we're talking like congressional seats. Oh, okay. Senator, U.S. Senate, U.S. Representative. I think one time, once or twice in Maryland, and once in another state. Okay. Anyways, so that's that's Dan, Dan Bongino. He also used to have a show on NRA TV. Ah. So you're starting to get the picture. Okay. <laughs> you're starting to get the picture of Dan, right? Yeah. So Bonnie uh, G. Bonnie Bon Bonnie G. Bongino. Bon G. Yeah, Bongino. Bonnie G. Bonnie G. We'll go with Bonnie G. Well, I'll call him Dan. Whatever. So, I, so we're going to be focusing. My lame attempt at humor. No worries. No worries. I laughed. I laughed on the inside. So Dan puts out a lot of content. I can't cover it all. Um, I think he's got like 1,400 something podcast episodes up. Yeah. So we are going to be focusing on the latest one that was available as of the recording of this episode, which came out, I believe, yesterday. Uh, something titled something like, You Won't Believe What the Left Is Up To. Oh, here we go. Hold on. You'll be shocked to hear about the left's new agenda. This is episode 1438. Anyway. Since I didn't get the memo about a new agenda, I am so excited to it, hear what we have in store. It'll be in the mail with your next Soros check. Shit. I wasn't supposed to say that. God damn. Mine's late. Son of a bitch. Dude's dropping the ball. I'll call George. So, he uh, in this episode, Dan... Uh, discusses uh, his big his big three talking points are these nefarious plots from coming from the political left. And, Never uh, mind the nefarious plots from his neck of the woods. Well, you know it, he doesn't really acknowledge that, uh, but we'll get into that. This requires some context. So first up, we are going to be he he hits the ground running right. So this is a clip of his show. I mean, we're talking ten seconds in. Okay. We have a dystopia staring at us right in the face. Book burning, calls for a secret police force, re-education facilities. Oh my gosh, that's a conspiracy theory. I can see it now, all the leftist media lunatics. Really? Because I'm going to produce the evidence here that the real danger, the clear and present danger to freedom and liberty in what was a constitutional republic is crystal clear the radical left, and their lunatic fringe in the media. Clear as day. I'm not kidding. Book burning, secret police forces, re-education facilities to deprogram people. I'm going to go through this piece by piece. Again, in case you think we're making any of this up. It's their own words. Spoiler alert, it's not really their own words. And yes, Dan, I do think you might be making this up. That's my first impression. I was about to say, it definitely sounds like you pulled it out of some orifice. <laughs> So, yeah, that that again, that's the first minute in. OK, so he's warning about book burnings, secret police and uh, what was it? Reeducation. OK, if I may go immediately. These are my thoughts. OK, Burk, bur bleh. book burning. Generally a thing that the right does. I think we can all think of Fahrenheit 451. Yes. A fascist dystopia. Mm hmm. Okay, and, and what was the second one? Oh, it was um, 
It was book burning. Oh, secret police. Secret police. So we're going to ignore the fact that people were literally kidnapped off the streets of Portland. Oh, he never brings that up. And oh, it, of course not. No, he, he, he's, he has addressed that previously on, I believe on Fox, um, pretty much downplaying it, saying that, you know, federal agents are not, I'm not going to try to quote him. I know he's addressed this and I'm pretty sure he came out on the side of feds are just doing their jobs. Sure. Yeah. And he, and he was a fed, so it's not like he's biased or anything. Well, yeah, and it's not like it's his side doing it. So, yeah, so, so we got know. that. And re-education, I'm thinking of, oh, what's the thing that just came out? The 1776 project that the Trump administration came out with. Mm-hmm. And he had a little something to say about that when it was announced. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Immediately. Immediately, <laughs> these are the things that I am thinking of for each one of his points. I should make a point to say that Dan Bongino does not have an insignificant market share of conservative uh, audience. He's got literally millions of followers on various social media platforms. He is not, he's not a fringe weirdo. Or he's not, excuse me, let me rephrase that. He's not a an unknown element. He is, he is a quantity. He's somebody who is significant. So just to be clear. So yeah, again, that's Sounds a, like he's significantly full of BS. Uh, I mean, we'll see, you know, we're, we're, we're going to, we're going to roll right along here. He cites a wall street journal opinion piece, which was written by, uh, um, uh, <laughs> hold on. Oh, the opinion pieces. Yes. The opinion pieces, uh, they are, which pieces. have been peer reviewed. They have not. And this is by Thomas Spence, who is, uh, an, executive at regnery what's that oh you you'll remember give me hold on here we go but a regnery executive came out and wrote a pretty good op-ed in the wall street journal today and he's warning from the inside the book publishing industry that we're back joe to blacklists and book burning so you get Uh, oh those are the people who are now publishing holly's book are these the people you got it okay (laughs) progress they're progressives right Yeah. You, that mumbling you hear, he's got like a guy. He does this simulcast video wise. So sometimes the pauses, that's him making a funny face. So, and that other voice you hear, some guy, I think his name's Joe or something. He's just a dude who pops in with little yeses and mm-hmm's. So that's what that is. Yeah, man. I don't think progress means what they think it means. Wall Street Journal opinion by Thomas Spence, who is an executive again at Regnery. Blacklists are the rage in publishing. Why the publishing house I run will bring out Josh Hawley's new book. What is he talking about? Senator Josh Hawley, who wanted a uh, a review of the election process in 2020. He's a Republican senator from Missouri. Is that what we're calling it now? He was going to publish a book with Simon & Schuster. Simon & Schuster apparently practicing book-burning-like principles, going back to the communist Soviet era. He said, we're no longer going to publish a book. We're going to cancel the contract. So Regnery picked it up and said, you know what? We'll publish the book. That's great with us. I'm guessing Josh Hawley's book will jump to number one. I will buy a copy um, as soon as I can uh, because leftist uh, boycotts never work and turn into boycotts. He's talking about like, he gives an example of like Chick-fil-A, you know, like uh, everybody, you know, conservatives in response to calls to boycott, they go and buy Chick-fil-A. Yeah, and they tried to do that with Nike and Colin Kaepernick, okay? Yeah, it's just like, I think he's kind of, I think Dan is kind of overestimating, you know, the, the calls to action here, but no matter. So it's funny that he's he's uh, talking about uh, book burning and blacklisting, okay? Especially how he somehow likened that back to 
the communist era. Is that what he said? He did. And to be and to be clear, um, a cursory Google search would indicate that yes, during the 1920s and sometime after, the Soviet Union did engage in some type of book burning. They did. But I like where your head's at because mine was in the same place. When I think book burning, the first thing that comes up to me is 1930s Germany, right? Yeah. Most most infamous one that usually comes up, at least outside the United States. And that had to, the, the two big differences there. Number one, well, first of all, uh, in that opinion piece that Bongino's talking about, I didn't actually read the piece itself. It's behind a paywall, but I did check like sort of like a review of the piece on Fox News, right? Uh, nowhere, it does list, it does mention the term blacklisting, okay? Uh, and we'll get to that in a second, but nowhere does it say the words book burning. Um, and I'm pretty sure that if he had said that somebody was engaging in some type of even metaphorical book burning, that would have been bigger news, right? So he, I don't know where he's getting that from. Well, it's, it's the fact that he said it because it has a very visceral reaction in people. Um, that's why I think he said it because it's way more punchy than just being like, um, people didn't like that you tried to overthrow our democracy and book publishers make money in the status quo and you want to destroy the status quo. And so they made a business decision, which was their right to do as a private company. And isn't the irony that the book company that like the publishing house that picked up his book aren't isn't all of their um oh distribution distribution through simon and schuster they are and that gets a little awkward a little later on here but uh yeah you're i agree with you entirely and with regard to american book burning that did happen but that happened in relation it's sort of coinciding with joseph mccarthy and the house un-american activities commission and the red scare yes where, where, <laughs> any, where anyone who was even authors who were suspected of communist ties you know the books were burned that type of thing uh eisenhower apparently during an address mentioned don't be one of the book burners and you know mccarthy shot back at him because mccarthy was going like unchecked for years just yeah throwing out accusations you want to talk about like off the deep end once again this we're talking giving an example in reality where these book burnings were persecutions of the left not of the right but okay also regarding blacklisting also once again i think of the hollywood blacklist right uh senator mccarthy and and huack again right mm -hmm. it was a, a list of professionals in hollywood with suspected um communist ties also this guy writing the article like oh I, I can't even call it an article an opinion did he produce proof of said blacklist he, uh so what he said not a blacklist per se he referenced some type of um i i'm not quite sure how to describe it but apparently there was some type of like public statement or memo uh, issued by some people working in the field of publishing, uh, basically calling for like no no book deals for traders or something like that. It had to do with like, you know, um, boycotting book deals for anybody involved with the Trump administration. Okay. Right. So, and they, and they are behaving as private citizens representing a private, you know, private interests, not as government officials. Okay. So two big things because, you know, Goebbels gave a uh, a speech in 1933, right? As I believe it was May 10th. It was like there was like tens of thousands of books burned, you know. Mm -hmm. So this was done by the encouragement, if not you know through the direction of the government 
back then. What he's talking about now, one, the metaphor doesn't hold up, and two, it has nothing to do, as far as I know, with anybody telling, any government entity telling Simon and Schuster to do anything, right? At least, I mean, if, if he has evidence of that, he, has, he never shows it. So he, he, throw, he, he also leaves out why Simon & Schuster did, did that. We all know Simon & Schuster tweeted their reason the day after the January 6th insurrection. Yeah. And had specifically to do with the violence at the Capitol. But he doesn't bring that up. He never brings up or discusses the insurrection. He probably did in a previous episode. I don't feel like going back and checking because he's probably twisting, twisting the facts there too. But... He likes to throw around words. Dan likes to throw around words like authoritarian, totalitarian. Uh, he says that liberals and journalists are anti-free speech advocates, if that is a thing. What? Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of weird. Hold on a second. Again. It's a conspiracy theory. We're not book burning. No, you're worse than book burners. <laughs> book burners, the book gets published, and then you burn it. That <laughs> they're worse than book burners. Book burners on the totem pole of stupidity the book burners are second after these industry professionals basically interns with no real jobs no lives who are basically morons putting together a letter of demands we will not publish any participant in the trump administration anyone so this comes up a lot he likes to call people stupid a lot it's it's a it's a recurring theme with him the irony yeah at one point he refers to anyone who is everyone else as a loser and anyone who is somebody like him and his audience like non-losers or anti-losers or something like that I, it, it's pretty interesting i, this I mean, just exhausts me yeah and we're only about 16 minutes in so um he he goes on he he riffs he rambles a lot dan rambles a lot and he's going he, he uh also don't you have to wait until a book is published to be able to physically burn it? That's what he's saying. He's saying that what these people, and by these people, he, mean pri he means private industry, are doing is worse than book burning. So this is his way of acknowledging it's not technically book burning, in, you know, in the sense that that term invokes, you know, thoughts. He is justifying his use of the term and saying that what's happening is even worse than book burning. Because it's not being published? I, I guess because a private company is making a decision to no longer carry on with one of their clients. Again, that was never going to be an issue. There was always a publishing house that was going to publish Holly's book. It was just a matter of how big the publishing house was. And it looks like none of the big five wanted any of that shit in their court. Apparently not. So Dan completely overlooks that point he goes on he rambles more dan is calling on creating on calling on his listeners to create a parallel economy of sorts um dan says that we we being i guess conservatives yeah. need their own publishing houses their own payment systems their own this they and that. have all of that so uh, you know i guess his complaint is you know they're subject to rules and opinions of people who don't like them and then they can be shut down for violations of some kind or you know in his mind it would be political persecution that's how he would frame it as opposed to people just not wanting to support your weird ideas <sighs> i mean i guess like private citizens so you know he he hits on that a few times right and overlooks that and 
you know, I can't help but wonder if like this has something to do with like cornering some new fantasy right wing market. But he 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 goes on and talks about it a little bit more to conservative writers out there. This is his advice to conservative writers after he's talked about parallel economies and libertarian writers. You are insane to publish with Simon and Schuster or any of these companies that don't believe in free speech. It's as simple as that. Just avoid them. I have books that are bestsellers every time. We've sold, what, 70,000 hardcovers of my last book? Follow the money. You know what that's worth to a publishing company? Not to Simon & Schuster. I will never be publishing with them again. Again, well, I shouldn't say again. I've never poked because I'm smart enough to avoid them. I know. Wait. Wait for it. So when Josh Hawley's book comes out with Regnery, make sure you buy his book, too. Add that to your list. So you caught that? You see that hesitation there? Mm Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. So Dan Bongino does have a few books and he publishes with Post Hill Press. I know this because it says that in the product description when I look for the book page, which is on Simon & Schuster's website, because they also do distribution for Post Hill Press. They even, on Simon & Schuster's website, they even uh, have a little Amazon uh, hyperlink graphic where you can go and buy his book. So what I'm hearing is they actually aren't against against free speech. They're doing Simon and Schuster is not being noble as a corporation. They're doing the minimum amount possible to avoid culpability, but they're still going to make money off of this stuff. However, indirectly, because no, you're not producing them, but you you're not publishing these books, but you are distributing these books. You know? So it is what it is. By the way, also, pu- who published Ben Shapiro's books and Alex Jones's books and Glenn Beck's books? And like the list goes on. Like Hannity, I think, has some books. I'm sure Tucker, Tucker Carlson has something. It, it, it seems to me like the conservative voice has no problem being released into the mainstream. I mean, yeah, there's there's no risk in reality. What you're saying, and I agree, that they're going to that these any of these conservative voices are going to be somehow silenced and shut out of you know uh, of the public arena. Correct. You know? Just yeah, no, that's that's nonsense. All all I can think of is I used to work at a small independent bookstore. I'm not going to say which one, but um. <laughs> This was years ago. This is uh, maybe like 15 years ago. Um, a, again, I, I was raised in a very liberal area. And a man came into the bookstore and was complaining to my boss that we didn't have enough um, conservative voices. Like we didn't have enough conservative books on the shelves. And so my boss looks this man in the eye and says, I have a copy of Mein Kampf over there. My boss was Jewish. Holy shit. Yeah. What was the guy's response? I think he just turned around and walked out. I, I will forever remember that. And whoa, I love it to this day. That's... Uh, and keep in mind, this was like 15 years ago. Yeah, that's... Uh, that's- that's a pretty good response. Your your boss was kind of was very witty. He he had that uh, 
that that sharp wit. Mm-hmm. I would not have thought of that. I probably would have just brushed the guy off. But that's... the the irony is that we actually did have a copy of Mein Kampf. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah i think it was a used one it, it doesn't matter but like... was it wow okay i mean fair <laughs> fair enough i mean you know that's that's really embracing the, the marketplace of ideas i suppose i just i will always remember that yeah that's that's a good one i like that i wonder what what dan bonnie g would have to say about that so yeah you know it's all and you know, it's all about plugging each other. You know, he he goes on this rant. I don't know Josh Hawley. I don't know this guy. I don't know that guy. Uh, he mentions Andy No in his book. I'm not going to get into that. Oh, I'm not going to get into that. That's somebody else. That's been covered plenty, and I don't feel like talking about that guy. I don't know why I'm surprised that he wrote a book. Oh, yeah, it's anyway. Yeah, but regarding um, Bongino talking about being a bestseller, this has nothing to do with the podcast uh, episode that we're covering, but real quick, uh, According to an article in The Hill um, from, let's see, when was this published? Uh, uh, December 15th of 2019. Um, it's an opinion contributor, guy, John Iadarola. Anyway, the title is The Myth of the Conservative Bestseller. Pretty much what it explains is that New York Times bestseller lists, uh, if you look on the list itself for bestseller books, there you might see a dagger uh, symbol alongside a book. Now, what that means, uh, apparent according to this writer, is that the book uh, earned its spot in part due to bulk purchases from special interests. In other words, not people who are just physically walking into stores or buying things on Amazon.com. People who maybe not necessarily, but akin to oh, I don't know, Charlie Kirk's Turning Point USA type of group. And we're talking about conservatives. I'm getting smacks of Phyllis Schlafly. Yep, Phyllis Schlafly and the John Birch Society, Correct. her first book. Exactly. They they did the same wow, thing. Wow, so this is an old con. Yeah, 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 yeah. Old, right. An oldie but a goodie. Anyway, so he names a bunch of people that, you know, that he's talking about Donald Trump Jr.'s uh, book, um, was it Triggered? You know, that came up. I bet up. that thing was unreadable. But he goes on to uh, list a few other people, and one of the people that he mentions happens to be Don Bongino for his book, Exonerated. <laughs> this is good. Uh, quoting from the article, Warning, uh, as I've already experienced, one of the above authors have a public meltdown over a tweet of mine identifying that the, ba- the dagger was included with their book on the list. I would like to say in advance to those authors, if you believe your book received the dagger in error, take it up with the New York Times. Now, I don't know this for sure, but it would be so on brand if Bongino freaked out at this guy. He's, he's got a pattern of this. So, yeah. And I assume this opinion writer has proof? Like, this can be independently verified? Uh, that is a good question. Well, you know what? I guess the, the idea is if there's the dagger next to the title, then it, you know, that's a pretty big swing and a lie to tell because it can be easily disproven. Mm. But I will look into that. I'm pretty sure I'll do, you know what? Next episode, I'll get back to you on that. Okay. Good, good call. So, I mean, if I'm if I'm giving this guy shit for bringing up an opinion piece, I should give all opinion pieces shit. It just you know, those are words to live by. <sighs> Moving on. Um he uh let's see, Dan keeps going talking about his parallel economy, uh leaves out why Simon and Schuster uh shit-canned Holly's book, and he moves on to the Big Left Terror Plan number two, which is the use of secret police. The dystopia, the leftist 
fascist modeling tactics they're using to create a modern dystopia here in America. Keep in mind, conservatives aren't doing any of this. This is all liberal. I'm sorry. Book. Yeah. Okay. He talks about this a lot as in like, well, conservatives aren't doing any of this, just liberals. Now, Excuse the fuck out of me, sir. Come on. Okay, now the things he's describing literally in his little fantasy, I don't know that conservatives are calling for this type of thing. I also don't know that liberals are calling for this type of thing because he keeps twisting it. My point is, even if both sides were calling for this thing that I'm pretty sure he's just, um, you know, kind of manifesting out of nothing and paranoia and his need to get followers, I would be just as upset. I don't, you know, you're not going to both sides this thing. But anyway. Burning, number one. Back to book burning, even worse. Number two, they want a new little secret police to spy on people domestically. Gosh, that sounds really scary. Don't they do that in totalitarian regimes every single time? You need your, you know, your jackbooted thugs to go out and spy on people domestically. I don't know of any libertarians or conservatives that are calling for a domestic spying force to spy on people. But leave it up to the leftists. Here's an article at the Daily Yeast, you know, noted misinformation specialist. He means the Daily Beast. Published that story about me, um, of course, which I sued them about, which was categorically false. He brought this up, so I went ahead and take a look at it. Uh, I believe it was 2018, the Daily Beast uh, did an article, a piece in which he was mentioned, Dan Bongino was mentioned, saying that NRA TV, which was downsizing at the time, and we now know has you know, filed for bankruptcy. Well, the uh, NRA has filed for bankruptcy. Right, exactly. And NRA TV was probably affiliated with them in somehow, at least by... Well, I, I'm sure it was, but I think at the TV... Like, was axed even before it, the NRA filed for bankruptcy. Right, exactly. Anyway, um, I told you Bongino had a show, and at one point, he no longer had a show. His contract wasn't renewed or something. So the Daily Beast reported on the story itself and mentioned uh, somewhere that Dan Bongino was quote-unquote dropped from NRA TV. And Dan Bongino doesn't like that the word dropped was used because that implied he was fired, and his story is he quit. So he ended up suing uh, the Daily Beast, uh, I believe in federal court. Uh, and the, it went, yeah, it went down in, in Florida. That was, uh, I think, December of 2019 when it was announced that the suit was filed. Okay. Yeah, and included, uh, it's, it's, it was covered. And I'll save the suspense. Uh, judge tossed that fucker in, um, in August. He lost, very much so. I could have told you that. He was asking for $15 million in damages. For emotional damages? Uh, in part, emotional distress. This guy. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah. Emotional distress to Dan Bongino. Um, He's causing me emotional distress just listening to him. Can I sue him for his voice? I, You could try, but that judge would probably throw it out of court as fast as they threw Bongino's out of court. So, Yeah, I know. I could use 15 million. He's probably got it, too. He's got a lot. Anyway. Yeah, so that's uh, that's bon- that's what he's talking about. So he mentions his he mentions that lawsuit as if he almost frames it like it was just like a badge of honor, but it's like, dude, it got tossed like months ago. But whatever. So the yeast here's the Daily Yeast. Can U.S. spy agencies stop white terror? White white terror? What is that white terror? Like a Crayola box with too many white crayons? What the hell is white terror? Can other other countries have domestic spy agencies to fight experience? Excuse me, extremists at home. Does America need one too? 
Yes, those countries, we call them totalitarian regimes. Has he not heard of the FBI? Well, so what he's... So I read the article that he's talking about. Okay, it's actually pretty lengthy. Uh, well, it's, a, it's not just a little blurb, I should say. Um, and there's, there's an important distinction to be made here, which he kind of overlooks. Now, I left that whole... That, Clip runs a little long just to make a point. Now, in that hypothetical that he's describing, a, a, a um, domestic surveillance state, right? Um, or what he's, you know, he kind of brings that up and he's going to continue to bring it up. I personally would agree on that point that I don't think we need something like that um, as opposed to the FBI, which is sort of a hybrid of intel, uh, intelligence gathering and law enforcement. The reason is there are, you, you probably think of a few examples, even in Western democracies, where domestic intelligence agencies um, end up doing some things that they really ought not be doing, or they can even interfere with um, local law enforcement on a federal level, right? Well, yeah, I mean, we've seen that with the FBI. The FBI definitely you know, has had a racist past. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Co um, COINTELPRO. Yeah. Right? Um, and it was founded by, I guess you could call J. Edgar crazy in some ways. <laughs> um, yeah. But, that again, that's kind of what the FBI is for. Because it, it seems to be like they are the ones who largely tackle domestic terror. And also... I am exhausted by his exasperation about white terror, because if you thought about it for two seconds, you'd oh, know what that means. Okay, so I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'd say Dan's a pretty smart... I, I'd say he's he knows enough about, to, about the world to know exactly what he's talking about. Oh, of course. And he's playing to his audience, is what he's doing. Of course, calling it a Crayola box makes it sound cute. Or, yeah, or even acting like that's an absurd term, you know? Uh, is this like, As come on. As opposed to the 400 years we've of white terror we've yeah. had on this continent. So it's either you really don't know enough about the world to infer from context and the world what white terror might be referring to, um, or you're purposefully misunderstanding that, and that makes you a dick. Ding, ding, ding. So if Dan had read the Daily Beast article, which I'm not sure he, he did, uh, he would know that it discusses whether um, the United States should adopt a model of domestic surveillance program or agency akin to the United Kingdom's MI5. I knew that was going to come up. So, yeah. So, but he keeps talking about totalitarian regimes. And I've never heard him go on the record and say that the United Kingdom is one of the great totalitarian regimes of, of the world. At least, you know, he puts out a lot of content. Maybe he has. That would legitimately surprise me. But he goes. No, they're mostly white. Right. So he goes on, Dan goes on, and he talks about, he talks more about this article that he's referencing, uh, and he, he, he starts to sort of misrepresent a timeline, or he didn't bother to click a hyperlink. So check this out. Here's a quote from the yeast. Still with that. Democrats in Congress are teeing up another round of investigations and commissions to get to the bottom of the January 6th insurrection, which will almost certainly revisit the thorny question yeah, kind of thorny because, you know, that whole civil liberties thing gets in the middle. <laughs> Let's leave that aside. Of whether the U.S. needs an independent, I love this, uh, talk about Orwellian language, counter-subversion agency to infiltrate and neutralize armed domestic terrorists who are now threatening more attacks on or around the inauguration of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Already a bill has been introduced to empower federal law enforcement to better monitor and stop domestic extremist violence. 
Joe, last time I checked, we already have laws against inciting violence yeah. and organizing attack. We do. We, we, I'm not crazy. No, right? So there's no. Why would we need a domestic spying force now? I'm, I'm just checking. That has never ended well. Again, I've left that last part in is because in that in that made up scenario, I would happen to agree there are problems with domestic spying programs. OK, so I'll take that point. Did he also get his undergarments in a twist about Edward Snowden? Uh, ooh, you know what? I didn't look up. I will Google his uh, his thoughts on Edward Snowden because I'm probably betting that you're right on the money. I don't know. You think he was in favor of Snowden? Because, well, because to be fair, I mean, there were some Republicans, a lot of several Republicans that came out on the side of, you know, NSA shouldn't be spying because, you know, a lot of their constituents are like, you know, smaller government. So maybe, I don't know, maybe there's a twisted part of them that was uh, that was sympathetic to Snowden, but I'm speculating. I, I have no idea. No, I, I'm he probably was saying that it was, you know, a violation of civil liberties. But mm. I'm curious if he went on this giant rant about it. Maybe, maybe. Or if, you know. He might have. But what he's doing right now, and, you know, he, the article that Dan is quoting from, right, it, it's more, yeah. I, how early was that line in the article? Like the beginning of the first paragraph, or beginning of the second paragraph, so we know that he read two paragraphs. Yes. And it's not like Daily Beast is behind a paywall. So anyway, right. So the, the article that Dan's quoting from, right, it's actually a pretty nuanced discussion on the pros and cons of adopting this type of thing. It even includes the history of prior discussions for this type of modeling of a hypothetical uh, agency. There was a, the, there was some type of commission led by a like a, a GOP governor from like the early aughts, late nineties, where they gave reports talking about doing this type of thing. It was around, you know, the beginning of the terror wars, nine 11, that type of thing. So, um, that bill that they're talking about, by the way, in the article, it includes a hyperlink. And if Dan had clicked that hyperlink, he'd know that refers to HR 5602 of the 116th Congress, which was not introduced in lightning speed in response to January 6th, which is kind of how he's implying it is. It was originally introduced in January 2020 and then was amended, I guess, a few times and passed the House in September of 2020. The bill specifically states in its findings that, and this is like the first line of the findings, quote, recent reports have demonstrated that white supremacists and other far-right extremists are the most significant domestic terrorism threat facing the United States. And then it goes on to cite why it, you know, it's why it reached that conclusion. It lists a bunch of terror attacks from, you know, the, the you know, 2014, 2015, on and on. Yeah. So this was all pre-insurrection, but he's trying to make it sound like this was introduced in response to the January 6th uh, insurrection. So well, yeah, because it plays to his, quote, proof, and I'm, I'm saying that in quotations, yep. of there yep. being a left-wing desire for secret police, which again is news to me. Well... Apparently, Dan, you know, not only does he believe that this is all, you know, hearkening or, you know, sort of the beginning of what will become secret police, as he calls it, he proposes a solution to said hypothetical secret police intelligence. Here's an idea. You live in a conservative-leaning state? 
I think we should incentivize incentivize our state lawmakers to prohibit any cooperation with any domestic intelligence agency that targets based on political and free speech protected activity. Fair enough? Fair enough? Fair enough. Does He says that a lot, fair enough, right? So again, this is all based on his premise, which is this is a possibility that there's going to be a domestic, sorry, there's going to be a domestic surveillance agency in the United States. And his, his proposed solution is um, conservative states only specifically should lobby um, elected officials to create laws that keeps them from cooperating with this hypothetical agency. Yeah. Okay. Now that's kind of an interesting take, right? So what he's basically saying is that people at the state level, right, should not cooperate with federal uh, investigations. How does right? he feel about sanctuary states? And here's this next clip. This is from Fox and Friends, taken on uh, Jan or excuse me, July fourteenth of twenty nineteen, a weekend where there was a shitload of ice raids. This made the papers. Oh, I remember. Yeah. So this is what. So he's on Fox and Friends, and they they had just gotten done with a segment talking about how you know certain mayors like London Breed are talking about how they're not going to cooperate with ICE just generally. I knew London Breed was going to come up. Well, here's Dan, you know, in response to this. I've been involved in these operations as a federal agent and a local police officer with the NYPD. So I've seen both sides. And the way it works, Jed, is you'll have the FBI, ICE, whatever, come in and they'll, they'll contact a local precinct in that area. Hey, guys, ladies, can you help us out? We'll be in the area. We're doing an operation. To have a local mayor, the chief executive of a city, tell his police department, stand down while a federal agency is operating against people who've been ordered deported, Jed. They have been seen in front of a judge. That's what's going on here. Right. It's not only dangerous, but, I mean, you want to talk about just leaving your responsibilities and flushing them down the toilet bowl? You should resign from office if you're saying that immediately. You've abdicated your responsibilities to the citizens you allegedly govern. Yeah. So civil rights are kind of a tricky, a selective thing with regard to the relationship between federal law enforcement and state and local level law enforcement, as far as Bongino is well, concerned. Well, see, they're undocumented and therefore illegal and therefore don't deserve rights. Right. But And by the way, again, that interview was done on July 14th of 2019, right? Uh, funny thing about that is that uh, according to the ACLU of Southern California, uh, on June 13th, they posted on their website, decision by the Ninth Circuit concerned uh, a raid on a Van Nuys factory and determined that it was a violation of constitutional rights. Uh, quote, a federal court today ruled that ICE agents violated the Constitution in their raid on a Van Nuys factory. ICE had warrants for fewer than 10 people working at a microsolutions enterprise, but it indiscriminately detained more than 130 people working there and forced them to undergo repeated interrogations without attorneys. It then held dozens of them without food or water for more than 18 hours. That so, definitely does sound illegal. Yeah, so the Ninth Circuit basically deemed it unconstitutional. Also... It's not that sanctuary states don't interact with ICE or don't cooperate with ICE. It's that they don't tell ICE the document, like the document status of individuals, correct? Well, the way it works, in, as far as the state laws go um, and policies in California, uh, 
essentially, unless there is a signed federal arrest warrant signed by a judge, not an ICE warrant, these are two different things, that is the only thing that would cause um, a local agency who arrested someone to contact federal law enforcement, which is a signed arrest warrant by a judge. Now, if that happens to be because of some type of immigration thing, that's incidental to the signed warrant itself. Uh, Local agencies uh, generally do, by policy and by law, uh, depending on where you are exactly, they are not supposed to go fishing. They're not supposed to ask people about their, um, uh, their, their status, whether they're documented or undocumented. They're not supposed to go fishing. Um, They're not supposed to go out of their way to contact ICE uh, regarding somebody who may or may not be undocumented. That's how it works in California. I don't know how it works wherever, everywhere else. So yeah, that's, that's, but that's Bongino. You know, he, he's, he's a bit wishy-washy there, you know? Now, admittedly, he is talking about two different things, uh, a hypothetical domestic intelligence agency and actual federal law enforcement agencies that, according to the Ninth Circuit, have violated people's civil rights. But, you know, I guess, you know, cognitive dissonance. That's his take. Um, how are we feeling so far about his evidence of, uh, book burning and blacklisting and uh he still doesn't have any evidence of book burning i i don't know what to tell you i mean and his evidence of secret police is flimsy at best right and i i I don't know where he's getting any of that from he took that from one article from the daily beast you know um, which again, if which you, he has proven that he didn't actually read. Well, if he did, then he's definitely omitting a lot of things that are salient points to the conversation. But whatever. But here's the thing: he's framing it in a very specific way to his audience to get them to believe that this is true, so that they continue to listen to him and he continues to make money. Like, oh, I don't know, free speech. I would definitely, yeah, I would draw that conclusion based on everything we've seen so far. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's good. That's good old Dan so far. We we got good feelings about him. He's definitely going to have future episodes. Also, who can stand listening to his voice? Uh, no, it's it's like so many of these guys, they just their ego comes out so oh, much in oh, their okay. voice. I that's what, what I, I mean. see what you're saying. That's yeah. what I mean. It's it's like it's the ego, like listening to this ego over and over just drone on and on about things and it's just Remind me, remind me never to actually make you watch one of his videos. It's... So now that Dan has, you know, conclusively proven that there's book burning, blacklisting and secret police on the way or here or whatever, um, he, uh, he, he moves on. He moves on to his third talking point, which is that the left wants to create re-education camps or facilities or something, maybe. I'm not quite sure. Is he thinking of the Uyghur? No, no, he doesn't mention them at all, which would have been a nice way for him to use, um, you know, people who are not like him as props. And again, like 1776, that that thing that just came out that didn't have a single historian on it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, but it did have Charlie Kirk. Oh, well, yeah. then you know it's good. Boom, there you go. But, and not biased. Yeah, so, so Dan, you know, is definitely who is not biased. He sources it from a, a website called The Post Millennial. Uh, what it's talking about is um, discussing comments made by Katie Couric recently while speaking with Bill Bill Maher. Okay. Oh God! Now, to... 
why does anyone listen to what that dude has to say? Yeah, and to be clear, no, I am not a fan of Bill Maher. I do not like Bill Maher. I cannot understand why my parents like his show. Uh, well, a lot of, uh, to be fair, a lot of people's parents like his show. Uh, he 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 wouldn't be on TV this long if nobody was if it wasn't profitable. I have to admit that point, right? I could also say that it's profitable for Dan Bongino to spout his bullshit. So I mean, no accounting for accuracy or taste. So. Dan sources that article from the Post Millennial, um, where Katie Couric kind of makes a comment in passing, and, and the word deprogramming kind of comes up, right? But he he sort of teased this up, and he he remembers to sound ominous while also remembering why you know he's doing all this, which is to make some goddamn money. Ladies and gentlemen, Post Millennial with Katie Couric. This is scary stuff. Watch. Katie Couric says Trump supporters need to be, quote, deprogrammed? Eh? All right, I'm going to get to that in a minute. <laughs> I confuse Paul with that. Sometimes I got to mix things up a little bit. Plus, I don't want to leave you all macabre. I'm actually a happy guy. I believe in freedom and liberty. These aren't complicated, controversial ideas, folks. We have to fight for the ability for people we, uh, you know, even we disagree with to speak freely. The left won't do it. I will. All right, today's show brought to you by Stamps.com. Let's face it, taking trips to the post office is probably not how you want to spend your time. That's why I recommend mailing and shipping online at Stamps.com. What? Okay, you don't get to you don't get to do that, Dan. You don't get to tee up that there is like a threat to my liberty, right, and democracy and our constitutional republic, and then just flawlessly slide into a Stamps.com plug in the middle of your show. You don't get to do that. You don't get to do that and make me think you're actually scared of anything. Okay. But on top of that ad, he goes on and asks people to sign up for his newsletter on his website. Right. And. Oh, okay. So by the way. Yeah. Uh, Post Millennial is a conservative Canadian online, online news magazine started in 2017. In 2017? Correct. So after Trump? Yes. Okay. All right. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. If you, if you source any interesting headlines, let me know. Um, so Dan is asking for people to sign up on his newsletter so that his fans can communicate with him directly. Now, you and I have talked about this before, right? It's no secret at this point that mailing lists are big money. Yes. Right? It's just nothing's free. Again, Phyllis Schlafly comes up. Exactly, right? So I went to the website and I took a look at their privacy policy underneath the whole, you know, I want to get, I didn't actually do it, but it's just like, I want to be on your newsletter. And this is directly from their website, right? This is a uh, quote. If you choose to identify yourself or otherwise provide us with PII, personal identifying information, when you use our online forms, and then it goes into what it will. It says, quote, we will collect and may retain any PII, such as your name, street address, email address, phone number, and any other information you provide. We use the information we collect to inform you of new content for marketing and promotional purposes to provide targeted advertising and to improve our products and services. So it's clear why he really wants you to do that. And he hits this a few more times. So he needs subscribers. This comes up later at the end. So he goes on, uh, Dan goes on, and he reads a quote uh, out loud from the post-millennial website story, right? Katie Couric, not a joke, uh, but Katie Couric, who was once, a once, not anymore, 
I should mention before he does that, he sort of tees up like he he makes sure to sort of discredit Katie Couric as somebody who shouldn't be taken seriously. But he's spending his time platforming her, at least her position that he's about to misrepresent for. But was once a respected broadcaster calling for deprogramming of, of deprogramming of Trump supporters. Quote, post-millennial. Former co-anchor of NBC's Today Show, Katie Couric, ripped the Republicans in Congress who voted against impeaching President Trump and certifying the election. She said, quote, And the question is, how are we going to really almost deprogram these people who've signed up for the cult of Trump? Couric said during an appearance Friday on HBO's Real Time with Bill Maher. Holy Moses, ladies and gentlemen, is this unbelievable? How are American companies not in mass boycotting anything Katie Couric does right now? First of all, I don't know what Katie Couric does right now. I don't know if there's anything worth boycotting. Yeah. Um, don't know what she does. I, I do. Think, didn't she used to have a show? Like, I know that she was a news anchor, but I think she had her, uh, her own show after that. Shows how much I care. I have no idea. Honestly, I... Mm. Right, but Dan is, is you know, he's taking limited quotation from the post-millennial article, and he he's... My... What I get away from that is he is representing that as Katie Couric is, is like, calling in question form on reprogramming basically Trump supporters, right? That's what he makes it sound like to me. You know, so he goes on and he tees up a hype. He, he goes on to tee up a hypothetical question uh, to a very specific audience. Katie Couric calling for deprogramming. How exactly would you I'm asking questions here. Are we allowed to ask questions anymore or have we gone full fascist left this moment? We're not even allowed to ask questions. I am dead serious in this question, this inquiry to any radical leftist totalitarian communist out there nutbag. So radical leftist totalitarian communist nutbags. That's who he wanted to ask this question of, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you rang. <laughs> yes. So basically what he's asking, um, he kind of rambles again. Uh, he, he, he wants to know that it, hypothetically, if he, he being Dan and his ilk, were wanting to conduct re-education uh, and reprogramming, uh, you know, or if they wanted to do that, how would they do it? Would they do it through camps, through facilities, through this and that? Um, he starts to really paint a very bleak picture, uh, stuff that doesn't even come up. So Dan doesn't even bother to put this article in context, even if the post-millennial did. Because they actually embedded the entire clip of Kirk comments in the article page, including Bill Mayer's original uh, question. Okay, and as much as I'm worried about these loons who break into government, I'm actually more worried about the loons who did get elected. Because, I, I mean, what do you do about these people? There's 147 Republicans in Congress who still don't concede that Trump lost the election. What do you do about people who are in the government who don't believe in our way of government? It is so shocking. Not only do, are they not conceding, Bill, but there's thoughts that there might have been some collusion among members of Congress. Some are refusing to yeah. go through magnometers or whatever you call yeah. them to, to check for weapons. They're not wearing masks during the siege. I mean, it's really bizarre, isn't it, when you think about how AWOL so many of these members of Congress have gotten. But I also think some of them are believing the garbage that they are being fed 24-7 on the internet, 
by their constituents, and yeah. they bought into this big lie. And the question is, how are we going to really almost deprogram these people who have signed up for the cult of Trump? You know, as they cut off the, the clip before people started clapping for that comment. Yeah, and it, it kind of sounds like she was talking mostly about the politicians who are still pushing these lies, not so much the supporters themselves. Exactly. Because, I mean, I hate to say that it sounds like Bill Maher was right about something, but him putting the onus on the elected officials for pushing these conspiracy theories, I think is right on. Exactly. And, you know, the salient point here, I'm using, I gotta stop using that word, um, is that if, when you listen to the entire clip, right, and get the context that Marr and Couric are talking, in this case, specific, number one, specifically about the lawmakers that supported, you know, the whole, you know, however directly or indirectly the whole Stop the Steal movement, right, mm -hmm. um, and supported, um, you know, these fraud allegations indirectly or indirectly, you know, that is a lot different than what Bongino is making it sound like. Also, if you listen to the whole clip, as we just did, you know that through context, Couric is not talking about, there's no plan to like do forced re-education or, or deprogramming or anything like that. She almost says it like in passing as a, you know, almost kind of yeah speaking about lawmakers specifically. Yeah, it's not like, this is how we deprogram people, you know? No, exactly. And it wasn't even like a question. Like, you know, he makes it sound like an, a very nefarious thing. So, yeah, Bongino makes it sound like she's calling for, you know, the deprogramming of Trump supporters in general. He goes on about that. Um, and he finishes off um, his whole thing about, you know, a left-wing intent or conspiracy to reprogram people with a clip uh, from CNN. It was, a uh, he, he puts about one minute of a seven minute, um, segment with Allison Camarada. I, she works for CNN. I'm, I'm not a big CNN fan. She's interviewing someone, um, regard who is a, some type of, according to Bongino, some type of, uh, you know, expert in this field, the field of like, you know, cults and deprogramming and, and that type of thing. Who's she talking to? Oh, we'll get to that. Okay. These people that we just showed in the U.S. Capitol, how do you begin to deprogram them? So that's what I do for a living, and family members contact me, and I've written books, I've done videotapes, I've done courses to educate the family, because it's the family, friends, and former members that once we educate them, we coach them on how to interact and empower the person to start thinking for themselves. The most powerful technique is asking a respectful, thoughtful question and being quiet and really waiting a long time for an answer and then following up. So Alison Camerata, not very bright, trust me. Um, Alison Camerata wants to know how exactly we start the deprogramming too, a question I asked. So they have a guy who is... <laughs> Always an appeal to credential. What is he, some kind of trained mental health professional, whatever. Well, we start by asking these delusional, crazy Trump supporters a respectful question. Oh, good. Uh, how about we ask CNN a respectful question, Joe? I don't, I don't want to go into his respectful question nonsense. Was she talking to Stephen Hassan? He wa she was. 
Stephen Hassan is the author of four books on uh, the topic of cults, a former cult member, holds a master's degree, and most recently a PhD, and uh, his most recent book is called The Cult of Trump. Now, I do not believe that Bongino doesn't know who this guy is, because remember, he, 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 this is simulcast to a video channel. I, got, I listened to this as a podcast. I'm going to presume that he has the video that he's seen the video and maybe he even showed the video on his on uh on his um feed which means at the very least the guy's name should come up at some point maybe it did but i'll give him the benefit of the doubt if it didn't he's telling me that he has no idea who this guy is right he's just minimizing this guy he's literally responsible for the bite model right which (laughs) for those who don't know the bite model stands for um, behavior, information, um, thought, and emotional. These, those are the four elements that consist of control, specifically in regards to cults. So this guy is literally the leading expert on cults and has a model specifically developed to indicate whether or not someone has been brainwashed by a cult. And he has an entire website that you can check out for yourself. It's called Freedom of Mind. And he was actually on Reddit fairly recently um, on the subreddit. It was an AMA for the subreddit QAnon Casualties. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you were telling me about this. these were people who have literally lost their family members to the QAnon conspiracy and him answering questions to these people begging for help to try and reclaim their family members. You know, I think you're kind of giving him too much credit because my buddy Dan is just like, he's just, he's some guy. Yeah, how dare he he be like, oh, just some mental health expert. How dare you? Also, (laughs) Dan knows goddamn well who this guy is, right? Because, Because here's the thing like his style is to like, you know, look people up. And if he thinks they're vulnerable, he'll go after them. So my guess is maybe he looked this guy up, realized that this guy's got creds in terms of cults. Like this is what he does. This is what Steven. It's literally his job. Yeah. So my guess is he looked this guy up, realized that he, at least on paper has the creds. He's the real deal. So it'd be pointless to go after him because that's just, he's not going to, he's not going to walk into that fight. He's going to lose. Right. So, you know, aside from that, he also does the whole, uh, trust me, you know, um, Camerata's like not that bright or something like that, minimizing her too. And he doesn't, you know, more of this trust me bullshit, but he goes, Dan goes into more of those hypotheticals. He's like, I want to ask a hypo, you know, I want to ask a question of, you know, the left and all that. And he starts talking about, it's like, if I wanted to, uh, you know, deprogram Obama Biden supporters, how would I do that? So he's drawing a false equivalency between people who, you know, just generally supported Obama and Biden in their administration and the people that are being discussed in the CNN segment, which is specifically focused, if you watch the whole segment, on people who physically stormed the Capitol. Okay. It's literally apples and oranges. Yeah. And the fact that he's making this false equivalency and people are buying it 
Well, maybe someone needs some deprogramming. Well, maybe, you know, if if people would just go ahead and sign, you know, and sign up for his newsletter, you know, he he will he will be more nuanced in the future. But you got to sign up for that newsletter and give him your personal identifying information first, mm-hmm. which he explicitly says in the privacy section that he may use in some way that may profit him. But, you know, he's all about getting the message out. So Also, yeah. I think it's hilarious that you know, one of his sponsors is stamps.com <laughs> because I'm pretty sure, wasn't that the same company like stamps.com that John Oliver used? No idea. For his, his stamp collection? I, I don't know. He also plugs in the course of that episode, ExpressVPN um, and uh, something about steaks. Uh, Omaha Trump st- steaks? Om- I know. <laughs> I think Omaha <laughs> steaks, something like that. Uh, yeah. So, so he's, that's just, oh, and a select quote. I think that's like life insurance policies or something like that. Well, yeah. you know, if you're going to be storming a building and could be shot by Capitol police, you need that life insurance. Wouldn't that be great if agents started hawking that one? It's just like, are you going to participate in an insurrection and overthrow a democratically elected government? Well, then you need God, life insurance. God knows the guys in Wilmington definitely needed it, but they couldn't have it, but you can today. So with that, no, that we lost that bit. <laughs> I'll, I'll move on. Yeah, so I watched that whole segment that Bongino's talking about, the CNN segment. Um, it's about, like I said, it's about seven minutes long. Uh, and to put it in context, Camarada was ask, asking Hassan about how to approach uh, the specific people who stormed the Capitol. That's if you look at it in context and go ahead and watch it, you should come away with that conclusion. That's what she's talking about. But Dan decides to take one last parting shot at Hassan uh, and also, you know, asking if someone will boycott him. And stre- does he even say his name? I don't think he does. Maybe he does. Um, pretty sure he doesn't. And Dan does not say his name. Takes a takes a shot at him and re-stresses or reiterates that he, Dan, uh, is definitely not wrong about what he's talking about. Will this guy be boycotted? No, they'll be celebrated. They love it because this is what fascist type people who model fascist tactics love. Book burning, secret police and re-education facilities. I just gave you the, it's their words, not mine. And the crazy thing is, What I just laid out for you is the most controversial thing I've put on this show in years. I doubt it. Not because I said it, because they said it. And nobody pays attention. Nobody sees any threat here at all on the left or the smart, stupid people see the threat and they love it because they're totalitarians by nature. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that was his big, sort of his big flourish, his big finish, his big recap that, you know, to reiterate, that he has shown through the words of the left that there are there are or are going to be blacklists and book burnings, that there is going to be secret police, and that there's going to be uh, re-education camps, reprogramming camps and institutions, saying that it's their, quote, their words, not his. I looked through his source material. I, forgive me if I'm wrong. I did not see the words book burning. Uh, I saw blacklisting being said in almost like a metaphorical sense and not in the sense that he means. Um, secret police, I don't think that was uh, brought up seriously. I think it was like the word secret police came up, but it was like a question and more of a for- like a warning question in that Daily Beast article. It definitely does not come down in favor of uh, domestic uh, surveillance. I'd be surprised if anybody working for the Daily Beast came down on that side. 
And he definitely doesn't prove anything about re-education camps or, or, or forced reprogramming or something like that. Yeah, but this is par for the course yeah. on the right. They take one sentence out of something that they can twist and then scare you with and then tell you that I have all the answers and you just have to trust me. Yeah, and he clearly doesn't have much respect for his audience because it took me a few hours to run down what what he's talking about. Also, you know, I think he never says um, Hassan's name because if they looked him up, they'd realize who this man is and realize that, hey, you know what it is? I think he's scared of this guy because if people know Um, who he is, they could be... uh, deprogrammed yeah well i mean and he, he could lose his support i mean you know that that term deprogrammed i'll admit historically is, is problematic because like in the 70s and the 80s there were other techniques i don't think the bite model that had some very horrible results yes so no i i don't like using that term either and right. i don't like that it's being used now um you know because you think like brave new world or like a clockwork orange shit you know yeah and and anything where there's like overreaching government and shadow shadowy figures and things like that and i mean i mean i i like the term de-radicalized that's the word that gets used most but that's the word that bongino hardly ever uses um in these other things he he mentions in i won't i won't pull it up but he mentions in passing like uh representative ocasio-cortez calling for uh you know that type of thing for you know uh re-education as he calls it like something akin to like re-education camps or or reprogramming or that type of thing and i didn't see anything like that except there was there was one article from the new york post that was referencing um ocasio-cortez's comments with regard to funding for programs that had already existed for a few years um on a subcommittee that she serves on um, I think subcommittee, like Congressional Committee for like Civil Rights or something like that. Anyway, um, she was just mentioning that, you know, they hadn't been, these programs to de-radicalize people haven't been funded very well in the Trump era. And research shows that healing is possible, which is hardly in keeping with forced reprogramming. Yeah, it was, um, I think, life after hate. Mm-hmm. Um, that, this was, wow, this was like four or five years ago, actually, now thinking about it. Um, like the Obama administration promised them like a huge grant to basically like reach out to white supremacists, uh, white supremacists in an attempt to basically like, again, de-radicalize them. And I believe the Trump administration took back that pledge. Oh, okay. That, that sounds on brand for the Trump administration. You know, can, I, I think Again, this was four years ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, I want to, I want to. Can you look that up? Life after hate. Sure, sure. You read the guy's book. So what? What am I looking up exactly here? Um, you know, um, money from Obama. Like again, the Obama administration pledged a grant, I think, to them. Um, and then I think the Trump administration took the grant away and see we're yeah we're doing research in real time here boys and girls so um regarding let's see here new york times article from august 15th 2017 titled revocation of grants to help fight hate under new scrutiny after charlottesville let's see uh 
Days before leaving office in January, Obama administration announced that it had awarded $400,000 to a Chicago-based organization dedicated to combating right-wing domestic extremists. Uh, Days later, the incoming Trump administration reversed course, stopping the grant pending a review. In June, when the administration announced its own grants to fight extremism, Life After Hate was not on the list. Boom. So there you go. Thank you, Donald. So Dan has no interest in looking up things like that. He is interested in giving you a, uh, a rundown of other stuff. That, that, that whole thing that I did, his show is like an hour long. He actually did that in 30 minutes. So the rest of it is him just shit-talking uh, Twitter, uh, platforming some quote-unquote leaked video from Project Veritas, um, and just talking about calling leftists fascists that's that's mostly what he does for the rest of his hour uh it's almost unlistenable but he does have a few calls to action dan wants you to and by you his viewers and his listeners to drop twitter in favor of parlor he also wants, oh i he, bet he does he also wants you to drop youtube in favor of rumble saw that one coming yeah any, any reason why you think he might want that oh i don't know is he on parlor and rumble he is on parlor and rumble do you know what else He's on, uh, he's on the ownership papers. Oh, he's, no, he's transparent about this. He has ownership. On both of them? He is an investor uh, in Parler for sure. In Rumble, I believe so as well. So he has a financial stake in Parler and Rumble. Wow. Yeah. Again, it sounds like his First Amendment rights are doing just fine. I know, right? And he also still has his Twitter account, by the way. Um, so the, he, his last big news of his show, um, he wants to make an announcement regarding, uh, parlor. This one's a little bit longer. Please subscribe to our newsletter. We really need to be able to communicate with you directly because leftist totalitarians are shutting down all our communication channels or trying to just the news.com folks. Parlor's back. Kind of. We have found other options. We are back online now. We are not even close to fully functional. We are still in the midst of trying to get our data from the tyrants at Amazon uh, Web Services, AWS. I don't think who, you're going to uh, get thought it would be a good idea to act like totalitarians and kick us off the internet Bezos in violation that. of the contract and other things, while letting Twitter, uh, you know, Twitter, the hang Mike Pence, impeach, uh, kill Donald Trump hashtaggers, while letting Twitter go. Twitter uses AWS too. Keep the pressure on them. Just the news. Parlor resurfaces on web, promises social media platform to be revived soon. So we don't have the functionality yet, but we are up. If you go to parlor.com, which we would hope you do today, um, we are at least back up with a landing page for now. We will be back up soon, fully functional, hopefully, very soon. We will not let Parlor die. And I need you, please, when Parlor gets back up, it's P A R L E R.com. Go check it out. We're having a guest. I really parlor make post every day uh, i posted my post yesterday you can see it on the landing page so he's you know you know what word kinda, it almost sounds so desperate uh, thirsty that was the word that, <laughs> this is a parlor thirst trap with dan bongino right and what was not said because you know it's like you know we're back sort of we found other options Please tell me it's the same server as the one with Hamas. Reuters reported that the internet protocol address that is now associated with Parler is owned by DDoS Guard, a company which provides web services for other fun sites like 8Coon. 
Yes. And Hamas, uh-huh. right? And, their and own... Hamas. Yep. Yes! Well I, well, I don't know about the Hamas part. In the article well, I saw... I'm pretty sure that Aikun had to go on a server that Hamas uses. It wouldn't surprise me. Uh, it is interesting that they chose that one because of, you know, there's so many, like, quote-unquote, patriots that used Parler, right? And it's owned by a couple of Russian nationals, as far as Reuters is is reporting. It's owned from, like, a company out of Scotland, or on paper based out of Scotland, you know, so it's just... Tax I, purposes for that one. I guess so, you know, and also regarding uh, Bongino and Parler getting their data from, from Amazon Web Services. Good luck. Number one, and number two, again, thus proving that this is all about money because that data is probably like user information of some oh, kind. Oh, yeah, you know it is. And they want that for targeted advertising, for marketing. I, you know, I'm speculating, but I'd say this is an ed- educated guess. You know, it probably has to do with that. Why else would they spend money on lawyers to get it? And why else would he be, please, please get on Parler? Yeah, for those of, for anyone who cares, uh, Parler is currently suing Amazon Web Services. They're saying that they breached, uh, Amazon Web Services breached their contract. Um, Oh, honey, you know they didn't. Because they got better lawyers than you. It's not just that. According to um, basically anyone who's familiar with Section 230, uh, which is to say it's the right of, uh, you know, these types of companies like Amazon Web Services to use, you know, they can moderate content, you know, and they can also be shielded from liability from content, right? Mm-hmm. Usually it's the shielding part that comes up, not yeah. usually the sword, quote unquote, but it seems that that's what Amazon Web Services did here. They used Section 230 to justify giving Parler the axe. Um, and Which is part of the reason why Trump had that weird frenzied obsession about section 230 for like the past two weeks well yeah uh, yeah probably for a lot of reasons but yeah so that's dan bongino and i think he was a great subject for our first show because you know he hits all the marks you know he he fans the flames um he misrepresents things he makes it seem like there's a big conspiracy if not like an overt or explicit threat i didn't know that he had a financial stake in parlor and that just makes this delicious i know right well i mean don't don't sit down and eat just yet he i mean they may find a way to pull this out no i'm sure i'm sure it's not going anywhere but um was parlor the one whose code allowed them to be tracked yes oh so so they're so they're they're that was the one whose user information what was that again correct a bunch of white hat hackers have all of their data anyway their data you mean the parlor users yeah. Oh, fantastic. Oh, like yes. they had um yes. and geo geolocation, uh, mm-hmm. for yes pictures, uh, messages, user information. They literally got it all. That is fantastic. So yeah, that's which means the FBI has it all. Oh, you know it. No big fan, generally speaking, of the history of the FBI, but in this case, go for it, guys. They, they legally, seem to be legally. The, go yeah, for they it. seem to be the only ones who are tackling white supremacy and you know what maybe too little too late but get a move on it you know hopefully not too little too late but for now yeah that's uh who that's dan dan who said he was going to prove that there was you know all these things book burnings and secret police and and uh and re-education camps and he failed yeah I'm just going to say um I'm I'm worried about his bona fides as a former cop because he clearly doesn't know what evidence is. 
<laughs> we should we should call New York, have him review all of his old uh, convictions, anything based on his cases. Maybe I don't know. Maybe he was good then. You know. Uh, all right. Well, that was our first show. Fitting, it was recorded on inauguration day. I'm feeling optimistic. Um, how you feeling, Anna? Yep. Yep. <laughs> you can hardly contain your optimism. I see. All right. Well, thank you everyone for listening. I am currently working on a website, but until then, uh, feel free to tag us, uh, on the show's Twitter page, uh, at consequence pod, uh, please like, uh, subscribe, like review this show, wherever it is, you get your podcasts. Um, and we are still working on a schedule for episode release. Uh, I'm hoping to do at least one per week. We're, we're going to see where we land on that. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, schedule permitting. So until then, keep your heads down and beware of totalitarian leftists who want to reprogram your your books before they burn them. Checks 